Peace Health Peace Harbor Medical Center presents Doc Talk, an informative health series educating our community on the services provided at Peace Health. We will begin with our host, George Henry, after these messages. You're not feeling well? You twist your ankle? Or you have that pain in your shoulder that just doesn't go away? There is an alternative to the emergency room. It's a Peace Health walk-in clinic. There's no appointment necessary, and you may have to wait, but you could see someone today. It's open six days a week in the 380 building just across from Peace Health Peace Harbor Medical Center. The Peace Health Walk-In Clinic, your local health partners. At some point in her life, one out of every eight women will get breast cancer. One out of eight. Most women can beat it, but only with early detection. Don't let breast cancer stop you. Mammograms save lives. Better total care. Peace Harbor Imaging now has digital mammograms. Get one. Now, it's rare on Doc Talk for me to be able to speak to two people at one time, but I do have Jacqueline Serrano. She is an MD, and Yvonne Scully is also an MD. Now, first, let's start off with where you guys are from. And Yvonne, where, where do you hail from originally? Originally from Illinois. Okay. And then I have been gone from there for most of my life because I was in the Air Force for about 30 years and then decided I needed a home. So we came here about a year and a half ago. So you went to med school first before you went into the service? No, I went to med school while I was in the Air Force. Okay. That's pretty cool. That was less expensive, I'm sure. (laughs) Right. And Jacqueline, what about you? I'm from Alaska originally, born and raised. So, yep. And then I did undergrad there, and I went to grad school in Minnesota. I have a master's in public health. So you like the you like the northern states better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a hot climate person at all. Yeah. So I uh, I was in the Air Force as well for a little while as a public health officer before I got out and decided to go to medical school. Okay. Were you general enlisted or were you officer? I was an officer. I was a public health officer. So what, what did you both uh, get out as? What, were, what did you leave service as? I was a colonel. Colonel. And? I was a captain. Oh, cool. Wow. I mean, uh, I, I honor you for your service. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. You're but welcome. today we're going to talk about something that's in the news a lot lately, especially with cases increasing in Washington State, and we've even had a couple in Oregon so far, and that is measles and what that is rearing its ugly head again, I guess you can say. What is, I guess we've all heard it in the news that some people went to areas that, you know, that weren't vaccinated and came back and brought that. What, what kind of has happened in the last couple months since this all broke out? It started with a couple cases coming through airports from um, most of the people were traveling from Europe. And um, because they were in airports, it it started spreading very rapidly, mostly in the Portland, um, Vancouver, Washington area. Um, And now it's picking up. We don't have any cases yet in Lane County, but it's expected that we will. And... um, Jacqueline, well, first of all, our area of expertise is women's health. 
Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the risk of measles in pregnancy and also flu vaccine and um, some other topics. Um, but Jacqueline, can you talk a little bit about how contagious measles is? So I'm a family doctor, so I do take care of moms and babies, and I take care of guys too. And <laughs> the problem with measles is it is incredibly infectious. So nine out of every 10 people exposed to measles that hasn't had the vaccination will get measles. So it's more infectious than influenza. It's more infectious than whooping cough. So that's the problem with it. Once uh, an outbreak gets started, it's hard to kind of slow it down if you have a degree of unvaccinated people in your community. Now, with with the numbers that are out there, the, the numbers are staggering when you look at the deaths that are related to measles. How does that break down U.S.-wise as far as as far as the health of people in the U.S. goes? Is it is it you're less likely to die in the U.S. of measles than maybe another country? It depends on your on overall health. Your risks, mm-hmm. um, your risk status. And so in pregnant women, they're more likely to die of measles because their immune status is decreased while they're pregnant. Same thing with um, babies and older seniors. Um, so, and most of the seniors have probably been vaccinated, um, but in our pregnant women and in our babies, a lot of them haven't been. Um, you cannot receive the vaccine while you're pregnant, so the only way to be protected is to have people around you vaccinated, which is herd immunity. Um, and so that so now. Um, any pregnant women in our community or people with young babies should have everyone around them vaccinated to help decrease the risk of them getting exposed. Now, what if the pregnant woman has already been vaccinated? Is she okay then? Is she safe in that respect? So we're considered immune if we've had two of the uh, MMR vaccines separated by 28 days. And the typical uh, influ- I'm sorry, the typical vaccine um, protocol at this point is we get our first shot at age 12 months, and then the second shot at between four and six years of age. So most women of childbearing age in this country who received vaccinations should be immune to measles. So do we have any idea of the statistics or numbers of women that that are of childbearing age that may not be vaccinated? Or is that kind of one of those numbers that you don't really know until someone comes in and says, hey, I haven't been vaccinated? Right. We don't really know. And a lot of people don't know their own status because it because you get it as a child. Right. So they don't keep records and don't necessarily know. But there, um, we can do tests to see if they have antibodies to measles, and if they have that, then they're they're good. Pretty much, though, I mean, folks that are in their 40s on up pretty much went through that regimen, though, right? Because mm-hmm. it wasn't, it didn't become a real issue until probably the 90s when people started saying, oh, no, we don't want to do this vaccination regimen, and then the people started getting concerned with what was going on there. Right. We were, um, had eradicated measles in the United States in 
in the 1980s, and then it started coming back when people stopped getting vaccinations, mostly because of travel to areas where they had measles. But this current outbreak is probably the largest. Is it not the largest in the U.S. since, or is it at least one of the largest? I believe it is the largest since we kind of got to that point of eradication. There have been some sporadic uh, bits and pieces where people came back after traveling overseas and, you know, like their child was under a year old and was exposed and got it. And they usually didn't have much of an opportunity to transmit it because if it's caught early enough, then you don't get a lot of other people exposed. So if you can define for me what measles is for folks that might not understand what the disease is. So it's a type of viral illness and it is part of the paramyxovirus family and it is easily prevented with a vaccination. The problem with the vaccination is that it's a live virus vaccine. So we can't give it to anyone who's immunocompromised. That means pregnant women. Uh, We also don't give it until the age of one. So all those babies out there who are under a year old are not immune and are susceptible to getting the measles from anyone who may have been exposed who has not had their shots. And with the exception that moms who have had a vaccine, they give passive immunity to the baby for up to six months while they're breastfeeding. So that's a that's an advantage there. Now, because you may not know when you're out, what somebody else is doing, like you say, in an airport or, or a facility that has a lot of people milling around, how long is that virus um, live in the air? Good question. Two hours. So if someone's at the at the counter getting their ticket for the plane and they leave for two hours, that area there is contagious or potentially yep. contagious. Contaminated, yes, sir. Wow. And that comes... Airborne, or can it be from touching the counter? Correct. It is both. It is both droplet and airborne. So if someone sneezes and it gets on the counter, that would be the droplet versus it's still in the air. Okay, I'm I'm already paranoid enough. I wouldn't say I'm like Howie Mandel on the TV show, but I I don't like germs that much. So what do people do in cases like that? Do they? How can how can a pregnant woman say? protect themselves if they're in an airport, if they have to go in an airport? Do they wear masks? Do they wear gloves? Do they sanitize? The the problem is mostly if they have not had the vaccine. So if a pregnant woman has had two doses of measles vaccine in their um, childhood or in their lifetime, then they should rest assured that they are immune and not be worried. And if not, don't go out in places where it could potentially be dangerous. Right, which is difficult to do for nine months, understandably. But stay away from the airports that you know have a problem like Portland right now. Hmm. Yeah, I know I'd go stir crazy after nine hours, let alone nine months. So I imagine how a, a woman would feel having to be secluded like that or sequestered, I should say. We're talking with Yvonne uh, Scully and Jacqueline Serrano, both MDs at Peace Harbor, Peace Health Medical Center. And we'll be back in just a minute on this edition of Doc Talk. You're not feeling well? You twist your ankle? Or you have that pain in your shoulder that just doesn't go away? There is an alternative to the emergency room. 
It's a Peace Health walk-in clinic. There's no appointment necessary, and you may have to wait, but you could see someone today. It's open six days a week in the 380 building just across from Peace Health Peace Harbor Medical Center. The Peace Health Walk-in Clinic, your local health partners. At some point in her life, one out of every eight women will get breast cancer. One out of eight. Most women can beat it, but only with early detection. Don't let breast cancer stop you. Mammograms save lives. Better total care. Peace Harbor Imaging now has digital mammograms. Get one. Welcome back to Doc Talk. We're talking with Dr. Jacqueline Serrano and Dr. Yvonne Scully. Uh, we were talking last segment about the measles vaccine and the, the potential dangers for pregnant women that uh, have not had the measles vaccination. But, of course, this is also, I guess we're still in flu season for a little bit yet. Um, this kind of goes through the winter months. Nothing you can do about that. What are the dangers of flu for, say, women that might be pregnant? So again, because of the decreased immune status in pregnancy, um, pregnant women who get the flu are at increased risk of severe respiratory illness, even to the point of respiratory failure and death, um, pneumonia, which leads to that, and, and other systemic effects from the flu. Um, they can get vaccinated in pregnancy, and we recommend it in any trimester. And that gives, it's not 100% effective, but it helps. If you do get the flu, you usually don't get as sick if you have had the flu vaccine. Now, let me ask about, since I have no idea how the human body works to that extent, how does the body react during pregnancy that allows an immune deficiency? Is that because... The creation of another life inside is taking a lot of the work that has to be done. How How is a woman immune compromised during pregnancy? It's more because a, a decreased immunity to allow her to carry the pregnancy because this is a foreign body that normally your body would react to that little person and you don't want that. So it's a natural response um, to allow the pregnancy pregnancy to continue. So even a cold, anything like that can be worse in pregnancy. And is it generally worse for the woman than the child because the child is kind of more protected during that period? Worse for the mom usually, but um, as in measles, which we were just talking about, there can be um, preterm delivery or miscarriage because of measles. There's no um, fetal anomalies associated with measles, but with other infectious disease like rubella, there are severe fetal anomalies. Now, back to the, the, the flu vaccine, and you mentioned, was there Tdap? Or did you want to talk about that, too, and how that affects? Yeah, we do recommend that pregnant women get the Tdap vaccination with every successive pregnancy, and we like to give it around 28 weeks and that gives them the opportunity to build a lot of antibody in their blood so that then they're passing that antibody to their baby in the breast milk. They also pass some of it to the baby through the placenta um, during gestation. So the problem with pertussis or whooping cough is that um, 
it kills it can kill babies because they get a severe respiratory infection they have very small airways and the pertussis causes significant airway secretions and those little guys you just can't get their airways clear very easily so um, it's really dangerous for babies and unfortunately we don't give the first set of pertussis vaccinations until they're two months of age so those really young kiddos can get pertussis and die from it. Now, I've heard in, in both cases when we talked about measles and about the flu and, and the Tdap, um, you mentioned breastfeeding. So I imagine that like there was a period where it seemed like it wasn't the thing to do. A majority of women got away from that because of work and because of that. It, it's, it's still recommended though, right? I mean, that's still the best, the best practice for passing on that immune Yeah, absolutely. Um, Breastfeeding is best from a lot of different aspects. So number one, they're getting their kid all kinds of immunity. Any disease that they've been exposed to in adulthood as a woman gets transmitted to the child, which is great. Uh, The other reason is that a woman's breast milk is specifically formulated for her child. And um, there's studies showing that preterm Uh, babies, the breast milk in the mom is different and specifically appropriate for that stage of preterm baby. And so uh, the breast milk is just worth its weight in gold and highly recommended. And if we have moms who have a hard time with breastfeeding, especially early on, um, we even have donor breast milk available to help them. So I, I have a little I have a little concern because I watch the kids nowadays, and I say kids, I mean the twenty somethings and the millennials and all that. It seems like their education factor for common things has kind of gone out the window. Like parents missed a whole generation of teaching their kids important things, um, like you know how how to deal with your pregnancy and how to go through that. What education or that is there available or what what do you see out there in the public that that the younger generation is is missing is kind of information that they need to know for you know women's health for say birthing children and, and things like that or is it a problem it, it is definitely a problem, especially here in Florence because we have limited resources, and so there's not a lot of education like um birthing classes or lactation classes um, in the area, but we're working to increase that. Um, We do have our first um, childbirth class next month, March 4th, Um, and then we're going to have that on a continuing basis once a month for all of our pregnant patients. Um, We do have lactation consultants. Um, We have um, the, the families... The Healthy Families Program? Right, and, and some other resources in this area that our patients have been very interested in and, and reaching out. They, um, most of our patients, I would say, start out breastfeeding, and they're very interested in it. Uh, it's, a, it's not easy, especially that first week of breastfeeding. It's very difficult. So we can get them lots of help in that first week if they need it. Even though they, there, there maybe some that are that are teens and, and early twenties and that. Is there an outreach program for the younger folks 
um, that's set up for that, like education-wise. Um, I mean, the term that comes to my head, I always think of as babies having babies, you know, and and that education is is not necessarily there. Is there something that Peace Harbor, Peace Harbor, Peace Health plans on doing an outreach for the younger folks? To my knowledge, there isn't a specific outreach at this point. I'm certainly more than happy to work with the teens in the high school in their health curriculum. Uh, however, I could be helpful. I'm sure uh, Dr. Parker, Justine Parker would be happy to as well. Um, I know there's a program called the Nurse Family Partnership, and that is specifically designed for first-time mothers. You don't have to be a teenager, um, but for first-time parents, actually, not just mothers. So if you have a mom who has had more than one child but the father hasn't had any children, they also qualify. And it's a really nice program because they get one-on-one support and education from a public health nurse who can come into their home. They can help them with breastfeeding. They can help with the baby for the first two years of life. So it's a really great resource, and it actually has data proven um, improved outcomes for the infants and the moms. What is the... Uh, I don't know if there's a specific number. What is the pregnancy rate like for Florence? Do we have a large amount of pregnancies? Are there a few coming through the hospital? I think I talked to one of the doctors before that said it seemed like it was growing, that we were we were experiencing more childbirths here than in previous years. Is that something that sounds right to you? Or? I don't know the specific pregnancy rate. Um, we do know that the number of deliveries at Peace Health has gone down in the last year. And um, for various reasons, for patients that want to go to Eugene or moving out of the area or complicated pregnancies where they need to go there. Um, But the actual delivery rate here has dropped. But you're still seeing pregnant women as far as in general health and practice. Right. Okay. All right, we're talking with Dr. Jacqueline Serrano and Dr. Devon Scully, and we'll be back more with this edition of Doc Talk. You're not feeling well? You twist your ankle? Or you have that pain in your shoulder that just doesn't go away? There is an alternative to the emergency room. It's a Peace Health walk-in clinic. There's no appointment necessary, and you may have to wait, but you could see someone today. It's open six days a week in the 380 building just across from Peace Health Peace Harbor Medical Center. The Peace Health Walk-In Clinic, your local health partners. At some point in her life, one out of every eight women will get breast cancer. One out of eight. Most women can beat it, but only with early detection. Don't let breast cancer stop you. Mammograms save lives. Better total care. Peace Harbor Imaging now has digital mammograms. Get one. I'm speaking with Dr. Jacqueline Serrano and Dr. Von Scully, and we started off talking about measles, and we switched to uh, flu vaccines and Tdap. Now let's talk uh, about general health practices and things that um, that women can receive at the clinic. Talk about what you guys offer there. So with the women's clinic, we offer uh, general women's care, and 
not to take away from the primary care providers. There are many primary care providers that like to do their own women's care, and that's great. But for the folks that are not comfortable, we see their patients. We're happy to see them. So we see women for annual physicals, um, breast cancer screening, cervical cancer screening, sexually transmitted infection screening. Um, We take care of contraceptives uh, for patients of all ages. We take care of urinary issues, including um, if someone thinks they have a bladder infection and they don't want to wait at the walk-in clinic. A lot of times we can see them in the women's clinic pretty quickly and take care of that for them. Um, And then, of course, the older women, we do a lot with uh, hormone therapy and menopausal, helping them go through menopause. Am I missing anything? Uh, we also take care of general um, gynecology issues. Um, and if they need surgery, I do some surgery here. Um, not as complicated as what they do in Eugene. We don't have robotic-assisted surgery, for example. Um, but I do hysterectomy, hysteroscopy, laparoscopy. Um, we do basic OBGYN. Well, since you brought that, let me ask you maybe a more specific question. Um, and I guess maybe this differs. You might know the answer to this. I'm pretty sure you probably do. Um, women that have gone through hysterectomies, can they still be menopausal or still have symptoms of menopause? Yes. Um, if they have their ovaries taken out at the same time, um, that they have a hysterectomy. If they haven't gone through menopause yet, they will at that time. And depending on how old they are, it can be pretty severe. Um, So we talk to them about options for treatment with that. Um, If they leave their ovaries in at the time of surgery, then they will at some point go through menopause after that. And it can be sooner than they normally would because of the surgery. Um, So they may have symptoms within a couple of years after the surgery. So there's pretty much no getting away from it for a woman. She's she's pretty much stuck with it no matter what. That's that's hard because I I know I have some friends that are really dealing with that, and that's why I wanted to ask because it's like, you know, you think that, you know, maybe you'll be able to avoid it, but I guess nobody really does, do they? (laughs) No, you can't avoid it, unfortunately. (laughs) Kind of like death and taxes. Yeah. If you live long enough. You're going to go through menopause as a woman. Now, let me ask you about uh, as far as primary care physicians. Now, I, I, I don't know that, that everybody has gotten away from it, but it seems like people have gotten away more from having that one physician that, that is, they call their family doctor. How does that um, – is, is that a service that you guys fill then since it's a clinic that people can come in? They don't necessarily have a family doctor? So the preference is for everyone to have that one person they call their primary care provider. And um, Peace Health has done a lot of recruiting in the last several years. And we actually have um, many new providers to help to take care of the community. Um, So most people who've been on a wait list, for instance, waiting for a primary care provider, are getting uh, placed with a primary care provider, which has been really nice. Um, Sometimes they'll end up being a mid-level practitioner, like a PA or a nurse practitioner, but um, we're doing a great job at uh, community outreach and getting 
people in where they need to be seen. And so it's been really nice. And as a matter of fact, we have more providers than office space at this point. So, And again, this is a good thing because one person having having seen you for a longer period of time gives you a better record. They can understand better what's going on with your body and what's happening with you, right? Mm-hmm. And they can manage m- multiple issues with the patient and kind of coordinate their care. So what we're doing in women's health is not their complete health care. So I prefer – I am not a primary care provider. I'm an, an OB-GYN, so that's my level of expertise. And if they have a problem other than a women's health issue, then I need to talk to their primary care provider and coordinate their care around that. Um, for instance, in patients that I'm taking to surgery, if they have other medical problems that may complicate their surgery, I may need a pre-op clearance or um, specialized care before they go to surgery. And it's very nice that we now have more primary care providers here so that I can coordinate that care and get them into surgery. But yet the the OBGYN aspect of what you do covers an awful lot of women's health, right? It it does. But it doesn't cover things like heart disease um, or pulmonary issues that a lot of our elderly patients have. And again, that might be if they have, even if they have a primary care physician, they still might need to go and see someone who's got a little bit more expertise in that area as well, right? Exactly. So... Tell me about the walk-in clinic itself, where it's located, how people can get in touch with you. Do they need referrals for certain things? How does that work? Well, our clinic is separate from the walk-in clinic. We're right next to them. Did I say walk-in clinic? I yes. meant women's clinic. Sorry. We're women's Health. It's 349th Street, um, right next to the walk-in clinic, right up the street. And um, our phone number is 541 541- Nine zero two one six three four. There you go. You got that. You didn't have to look at the paper for that, folks. That was pretty good. I'm surprised. I have a memory. Well, thank you both for being here today, and we certainly appreciate uh, the information we got there. And again, uh, women that are thinking about getting pregnant, if you haven't got your MMR, you need to check into that and uh, do it before you get pregnant. Exactly, and we recommend if they're thinking about getting pregnant, get the vaccine at least three months before they try to get pregnant. Okay. And hopefully we don't have a whole lot of women here that have not been vaccinated, but you never know. And if you're thinking about getting pregnant, take your folic acid. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Dr. Yvonne Scully and Dr. Jacqueline Serrano on this edition of Doc Talk. Now, are there any other health concerns that are out there that that are prevalent that we need to be concerned about? Uh, One thing that we'd like to mention is there has been a 50% increase in congenital syphilis in the United States in the last few years. Um, So congenital means that's the baby that's getting it in in utero from the mom. Um, So that's a, a really important screen that's easy to get and easy to treat, um, better to treat it before pregnancy than during pregnancy. So is the baby at risk during pregnancy or is more at risk at birth? During pregnancy. And it can be very severe for the baby. Okay. And then there's a check. Women can get a, there's a check for that that makes sure that 
we screen every pregnant woman when they first come in for their first visit, and we treat them as soon as we can. Um, some things can complicate that, like a penicillin allergy, but um, otherwise we treat them as soon as we get a positive test. Um, but even when we treat, sometimes babies still get infected. People will often come in. People will often come in uh, wanting to get sexually transmitted disease testing. And a lot of times what that will end up being is just a test for chlamydia and gonorrhea um, and sometimes trichomonas, which are the most common sexually transmitted diseases other than human papillomavirus and herpes virus. Um, and the reason we don't look for those is because uh, they're hard to diagnose and um, there isn't a lot of great treatment out there for those. Um, HIV is one that people always want to have their HIV test, um, which is good, but don't forget about syphilis. If you're getting a test for HIV or hepatitis C, you should probably be getting a test for syphilis as well. All right. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Doc Talk, presented by Peace Health Peace Harbor Medical Center. For more information on the program and services provided, visit peacehealth.org.